Hi, everyone. I'm Avi Gandhi. This is my podcast, Creators of Color. The mission of this show is to inspire and enable a new generation of creators of color to get out there, get online, and get to making content. Today's episode is a conversation with King Russell. King is a former client of mine, one of the I would say original YouTubers. He was one of the first million scale black creators on YouTube, one of the first gay black creators on YouTube. The reality is he actually inspired this show with a video that he posted. And that video, he talks about how part of the reason he stopped vlogging was because being a black creator on YouTube was so deeply lonely, especially in those early years of the creator economy, but even more recently. And a lot of platforms are trying to address that, but that's not really enough, it's hard. You still feel kind of cordoned off and segmented. And we talk a little bit about that and a little bit about how platforms and companies can make creators of color feel more included and represented. I've rambled enough here. I, again, really appreciate your listening. Your listening is what makes this possible. And with that, we'll get on with the show. Thank you. got uh, King here uh, on social media, known today as Just King TBH, formerly known as Kingsley, one of the OGs on YouTube, Instagram, other social media. King, how you doing? I am doing well. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We've known each other for a long time. You were one of my first clients when I was at WME. That was... Must have been, what, like nine, ten years ago now? It was ten. It was 2012. Yeah, isn't that wild? It's very wild. (laughs) It's insane. It's crazy. A lot of time has passed. You've had quite a journey. And I want to give some context. A couple of years ago, you posted a video. I think it was during COVID. This video was you being very open and honest uh, and heartfelt about one of the biggest reasons that you left YouTube, which was, you know, your challenge being one of the only Black creators on YouTube at the time. You were one of the first Black creators on YouTube, one of the biggest Black creators on YouTube, and you talked about how it was a deeply isolating experience. I think we'll get to that. And I think first, maybe, like, let's talk about kind of your background a little bit. Um, so my family is a little interesting. I was born in Arkansas. Huge, huge family. My grandma had 12 kids. I had two uncles and 10 aunts. Both of my uncles passed away in car accidents when I was fairly young. So I had a, a heavy female presence <laughs> in my life. And then my mom is a lesbian. So I was raised by two women as well. Um, I have two moms and they've been together for 27, eight years now. And this was in Arkansas and, and long before, you know, Supreme Court decision. And long before. Uh, gay marriage and, okay. So yeah, what was that like? I mean, that, that must've been interesting. Well, it was weird because at first I didn't know they were dating because I was so young. I just, I thought she was like one of my aunts or something. (laughs) And then we ended up moving to Missouri and like a a few years into that move, which was when I was six. So like, I don't know, around like nine, 10, my mom just told me like, yeah, we're what society would call lesbians. And I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but cool. Um, And as I grew up, I started to understand like that they were romantically involved. Well, and both Arkansas and Missouri are fairly conservative states, right? Yeah, they're red states. (laughs) And so they're being lesbians and you're being gay. Were there, I mean, what was the experience like being in conservative, fairly conservative cultural places? I obviously got teased a bit in school, which like, you know, a lot of gay kids can relate to. And I think that made me look at them 
as though maybe this is something to be protected or something that I don't need to broadcast because I got the impression from school that it was wrong. Like my home was always like super loving, accepting. And I just, I never felt any pressure, obviously from them to like be in the closet or anything like that. But like the way kids were at school kind of made me question, like if it was okay, if it was something that I needed to be embarrassed by. And how did, how did that experience make you feel generally? I don't think it bothered me too much. I was very, very active at school. I did like the news. I was on the newspaper, the news station. I did sports. I um, interviewed people for like just all types of stuff. So I had to kind of talk to everyone. I never got like beat up or anything aggressive like I've heard some people dealt with. It was just very petty school bullying that... um. I don't think really had too much of an effect on me. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and and what about your community? The community you grew up in, was that primarily Black community in Missouri? Growing up, Black, Black, Black. <laughs> like in Arkansas, all Black people. For the end of middle school and all through high school, I was in a more predominantly white area. And I was also in like gifted, accelerated honors classes or whatever. And most of my classes were with white kids and i feel like my teenage and you know going through puberty and all that happened (laughs) around a lot of white people which was uh weird it was a weird shift and i think that's where like a lot of the conflict starts tell me a bit more about that when you say where the conflict starts so so could you describe some of that conflict a bit have you ever been in a room full of white people and just like they're not necessarily evil. You don't necessarily think they're going to kill you, but like, as you notice, you're you're not <laughs> like them. Um, yeah, there is a there is that's funny that you asked that. There's this there's something my wife and I always laugh about. Um, we we visited her grandparents, uh, and they they live in a suburb of New York, and um, belong to a country club. And so we went for I think like it was like Fourth of July, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the country club, and you know I, I'm I'm at the buffet and I kind of look up and look around, and I go back to the table and I'm like, uh, Hey, Margo, what do you what do you notice about this? And she's like, I, I don't know. Like, and I was like, I'm the only person of color here that isn't staff. It wasn't weird until it got weird. And yeah. that was just me. Like nobody, nobody said anything offensive. Nobody mistook me for staff. Like it wasn't like, you know, those stories that you hear about, uh, you know, people coming up to you and, and assuming that you're working there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I was actually kind of nervous that someone was going to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I was always like, whenever someone walked up to me, I was like ready to be like, I don't work here. Yeah. It's like a yeah. pressure and like, it's, it's a mental thing. I just, I knew that I wasn't like the rest of these kids and my parents definitely put a little bit of pressure on me as well. Like I wasn't allowed to grow my hair out when I was younger. When they sent me to school, like I had to have my shirt tucked in. I couldn't sag. They didn't want you to look like the stereotype. Yeah. Basically. Is yeah. That, is that? Literally. Yeah. And one time I got in trouble cause I got second place in the spelling bee and they took a picture of all the participants and like i had my big white t-shirt coming out under my sweater <laughs> it's like that's not how i went to school in their eyes and like that was a whole thing but yeah th- exactly what you're right. saying like they wanted me to just appear good i think we i feel like we could talk about this for a long time but we should move on to the the creator part of this uh, <laughs> conversation because i think that you know that that's how we met and uh how you built this huge following when did you decide to become a creator uh how did how did it kind of happen it was 
I don't know if it was the end of my junior year or the beginning of my senior year. Um, In high school or college? High school. I would be on IMDb back when they had message boards every day when I finished my homework. So this was like your hobby. You were just like really interested in the pop culture. Yeah, because again, most of my friends did not care. Um, And I would like watch a show like Monday night at 8.30 and then like go see what everyone else was saying on the message board and like talk to them about like what happened, who got eliminated, blah, 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 blah. And then once I was doing that, I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is fun. And then I ended up seeing a YouTuber named Quadir, who's like a black queer creator. He's in Atlanta, I believe still. And I don't know, he was just ranting about like a job application at McDonald's. <laughs> it was so fucking funny to me. And like, I <laughs> was laughing and I like ended up being on his channel for like a month, just like watching everything he'd ever done. It was just in that same time period, I was like, okay, I'm kind of like over this message board. Like, why don't I just do the recaps like every week? And like, I can post my videos here and then we can talk about it that way. And so that's what I started doing. I would do like the recaps for the, I think it was Daisy of Love or Rock of Love or something. And then I would post it on IMDb and I would just start talking to people that way. The summer after my senior year is when I started just doing more broad stuff. That's when I started getting into like song reviews and rants and things of that nature. And so it just all stemmed from, again, wanting to talk to people about things that (laughs) my friends in real life didn't care about. You know, as a person of color, were there any kind of cultural or, you know, anything with your parents uh, regarding your starting to create content? Were they supportive? Uh, Did did you have access to the resources you need? Like, I'm curious, like, was there any effect at that point? Yeah, at the time, no, because I didn't tell them until I was in college. So they had no idea you were posting videos on the internet. They had no idea. I was always shooting, like, when they were gone. (laughs) and like doing it at nighttime um and yeah until i went like viral viral which didn't happen until i was in college and they started hearing about it from my family that's when i told them you kind of achieved started to achieve fame while you were in college and you eventually dropped out like tell me about that story i ended up just doing a video about my pet peeves that went viral um and it was on like tosh.0 and ray william johnson covered it and it was like this this thing and so the second half of my first Was this an year, overexposed? Oh, no, this was a different... No, it was called series. Things I Hate. It was literally <laughs> just me talking about... <laughs> like, it was... I still... I mean, it got day, on TV, you know? I know. Uh, it's always the thing that you just throw together that you're not thinking about, thinking, oh, let me just give them something because I haven't posted in two weeks. And it's like, oh my God, like, what the hell was this? And Ray William Johnson at the time was the biggest creator on the internet. Yeah, Yeah. it was nuts. I just started getting a lot of attention from people that I didn't know. And (laughs) I'm like trying to like figure out who I am, who my friends are, if like people like me because of me or if they like me because of this YouTube crap. It was just like, it was a lot. Classes became awkward. Work became awkward. And as the year went on, I just started to get sick of being there. And I just knew like that LA was like supposed to be like this super diverse place and like just a whole bunch of gay people, a whole bunch of queer people. And I just had a moment where I was like, I got to get out of here. Um, I had an opportunity to do so. And I did it. You know, a lot of Black celebrities and athletes have kind of talked about how fame kind of changed their perception of the community and created challenges for them in their communities. Did you find that uh, at all back home? Like you're becoming famous affected how people talked to you or looked at you or? I think it was just not like no one cared. 
which is again is why I even got on the internet in the first place because I just felt like no one took anything like that seriously. It was just like stupid to everybody. Um, so when they figured out what I was doing, like I, I, they didn't get it. Mm. Um, they were always asking me like when I was going to go back to school, when I was going to do this, when I was going to do that. And I don't know. I just always had to deal with that while I was trying to do it, especially like, of course, like I mentioned, I didn't even realize what I was doing at the beginning, but like, as like each year passed in LA, like I met more people, like things started getting formed, like maker formed, like just all this stuff started happening. And I was just watching everything change and also trying to understand it myself. And it was crazy. It was just a, a, a weird experience. Um, <laughs> just kind of be a part of that as it was forming. Uh, so yeah. it, was, it was a lot of uh, internal conflict and external conflict. What was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome? Just taking it seriously. Um, because it was always something that I did for fun to turn it into a business, <laughs> you know, having to get myself together at different points was rough. Having that energy and personality with also being authentic with also like, you know, once I started hosting shows and like, I would have to have a video on my channel the same time an episode was coming out on that platform. Like just having to kick myself into like discipline and seeing it as something that it's not just fun and not just a hobby was, was the hugest hurdle for me. Was, was there anything that you did that kind of got you through it or, or any sort of way of thinking or how, how did you get, yeah, how did you get through it? Obviously working with people like you at different points was crucial and having positive people around, um, people that I was comfortable with. Could you kind of walk us through that and also, you know, talk a bit about the challenges? I think now is sort of, we can talk a bit about, you know, that video that you had put together. So like with you, I met you in 2012. At that point, it was like, what, three, four years in. And I still remember that meeting because you guys were asking me like what my goals were. And I literally, like I was obsessed with Chelsea Handler at the time. And I was like, that's kind of like what I want. And I remember you guys told me like, we love that because everyone comes in here and they're like, I want this. I want an Oscar. I want, and like, they just say things that you guys are like, well, this is ridiculous. And you guys thought I had like realistic goals. I mean, you're still like of everyone I've worked with, you've been my favorite along with like my um, manager's <laughs> uh, assistant. Her name was Charlene and you both, you two are the only people of color I have worked with this entire time as people started taking digital creation more seriously, I just simultaneously became overwhelmed with how serious it was becoming. And that coincided with that video and like my experience, because I feel like the vlogging circle or group of people that were popular at the time were majority white. That first creator summit, there was two black people out of a hundred selected creators. I don't feel like I had any power to kind of influence anything because like I didn't know at the time how anything worked I didn't know how they chose who to invite I didn't know who was on the board or like who decided to put us all together it just that's how things were and those are the people that I started to just constantly be around and work with and again I want to clarify I don't have a problem with any of those people nobody was like right. racist to me no one was evil like everyone was great Again, no matter how comfortable I am, I, I love white people. I've dated white people. I grew up around white people. White people are awesome. I'm not one of those people that hates white people. Sure. But it is a, it's an experience to be by yourself in a huge 
group of white people. A huge group of people that is that don't look like you, don't have the same experiences you do, don't have the right. same background you do. Right. I imagine it'd be kind of similar if you were in a group of 100 Indian people, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just a very <laughs> different, you know, uh, experience. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we're all like bonding over our career and like what we're going through simultaneously, which is cool. There's that thing, which again, that I understood more at this point, because at this point I'm like in my 20s, early 20s, where it's like a different level of school. It's like, okay, now it's not my parents telling me to go here just like this and to act this way. Like now I feel just this subconscious pressure that like, I know I'm one of the only black people these people are seeing regularly. Like, how do I act? How do I present myself? There's just a, an older mentality and concern that I started just to have internally, which I talked about in that video where I just became like a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit insecure in myself just because there weren't many people like myself around me. It's just the sense of comfort and the sense yeah. of connection, which again, my entire team throughout the decade has been white, except for you and Charlene. And I feel like both of you, I was like this with. Not only did you have to deal with the challenge that all creators had to deal with, which was like, you know, growing and figuring out all this new stuff, but that also was compounded by this isolating experience. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I can see how that'd be really hard. Yeah, <laughs> it was like one of those things I don't think I realized until after. Now being, you know, having all the experience that you have and, and, and you know, being much more grown up than you were back then, if you had to give yourself some advice on how to handle it or how to kind of proceed, um, what would you say to yourself? What would you, what would you tell yourself? I'd probably stress the importance of just like finding like your tribe super early. It's their channel, it's their TikTok, it's their Twitter, it's whatever, like it's their account. They're the reason that they've gained that audience and people already connect with them. So they should be just empowered to mm -hmm. make the connections that they want. And I really think that when you have like a, a good group of other creators around you, um, people that look like you, people that have similar experiences and goals, like it helps a lot. If I'm, if I'm understanding you right, like, I think uh, you're saying that creators and especially creators of color should recognize that they have more power and influence in their own careers and in defining their own path and in who they work with and how they work with them than they might think they do. Yes, especially now. <laughs> especially now. Yeah. Now is like the best time ever to be a creator of color. Um, mm -hmm. And hopefully it keeps getting better. Do you have any advice for any any of our uh, people of color out there who are considering becoming creators? You really have to enjoy it. And you just have to be in it for the right reasons. I think a lot of people yeah. don't realize that it does take work. It's not something that's going to happen fast. Do what you're passionate about and, 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 and cultivate that first and then do all the rest. You have a, make a great point that, you know, if you're doing something well and it's working uh, and you can take that all away, focus on taking that all the way. This was an interesting question someone uh, asked on LinkedIn. Do you have any advice as a creator of color yourself on how white creators, white executives can be allies and can support creators of color? Like, were there ways they could have made those spaces more comfortable for you? Obviously YouTube Black is amazing and we're there and it's all creators of color. Um, but for those main things 
that are yeah, supposed the, to be the bigger level. mainstream things. Yeah, yeah like, like not that. YouTube, like not YouTube Mexico, like just the YouTube events. Um, right. Diversify those rosters, make them comfortable, make them more accessible to their community. Because, like, even me, like, on this is a dumb example, but like, you know, I was at the VMAs and the AMAs and all this stuff. I didn't get to go to the BET Awards until <laughs> like 2016, which is crazy because I feel like that's the first place that I should be. But again, if you don't have that group of people, like, I don't know how, you know, an, an agency would get, you know, a black publicist or a black right. somebody in that creator's network. Because I feel like you do kind of get opportunities based on who you're with. And so if I'm working with all white people, <laughs> then I'm probably going to get more white-leaning opportunities um, than if I was with someone else. That's a really interesting point. So it sounds like there's kind of two things that you're saying. One is access and inclusion of people of color within broad events, not just having specific like Black YouTube or you know, black creator events, but having more people of color at the broader events that are theoretically for everyone, but often end up being primarily white, right? right? On the other side of the table, it's having more representation of people of color in the business conversations, on the teams that are doing creator partnerships and creator success and for like creator economy companies. Had those two things kind of been happening when you were a creator, do you think your path might have been different? Do you think you might have felt differently about kind of your experience? Maybe, you know, I think I definitely would have been a little bit more just excited about things. And again, I don't want to seem like I'm complaining, like I'm so grateful for everything that I've ever done. But it's like, yeah, if I'm on the, I'm at the freaking Brits red carpet in London, like I would love to be on the red carpet of the NAACP Image Awards, like interviewing, you know, but it's like how... Who would have done that? Right. Who would have brought you that opportunity? Even I didn't know about those opportunities. I'm a person of color, but I wasn't connected into the black community, into the uh, BET. And, uh, you know, had I brought more black agents from the agency, uh, maybe from the non-scripted team or the movie team or, you know, whatever I'd be, or if we had found a black publicist, like that could have also uh, had an impact. These spaces are heavily white controlled so there has to be there has to be game changers and people that you know broaden those opportunity to their community and are able to represent themselves and you know if a creator is going to a meeting just to see another black face or you know whatever they are to see that staring back at them would be would be nice we had this conversation so much and it's a really difficult one on the business side because like we you know I, as a leader, I can't decide what people do based on their skin color, right? That's illegal uh, yeah. within a company, right? And so I can't be like, hey, team member, you're black. This creator's black. You should talk to this creator because you're black and they're black. That would be illegal. That would be mm-hmm. discrimination. It is a challenge. It's something that we have to figure out how to navigate. You know, I heard that from folks on my team who are people of color that like, hey, I am a black uh, team member and I think that Black creators respond better when I'm on the phone with them. But at the same time, you know, my hands are tied legally because I can't say only Black team members can work right. with Black creators. So how do you navigate that? That's something to, to think through and figure out whether you're an agency or a, a brand or a creator economy company. Like this is something that everyone needs to address and work through in order to create a more inclusive 
um, creator community. This has been an amazing conversation. Is there anything else you want to say? Anything else you want to talk about? Anything I should have asked but didn't um, uh, before I let you go? Um, I just hope people keep having the conversation. You're going to help that happen. I just wish the best for everyone coming up that's a creator of color. And I hope that they have a, a more open environment and that they're more just empowered to, to take charge and not feel weird and to build their own network and, and speak up for what they want and what they want to do. And yeah, I think it's, it's heading towards a good space for that. That's it for episode one of Creators of Color. Thank you, King, for sharing your experiences. My heart feels so full because I have never had an open and public conversation about experiences like yours, experiences like mine. And I'm really excited for future conversations with other creators of color. So King, thank you so much for being an amazing first guest. Thank you everyone who has listened so far. Your support, your listening means everything. It's really important that we have these conversations, that we tell these stories, that we share them. Creators of Color is created, hosted, and produced by myself, Avi Gandhi, executive produced by Trenton Barboza, edited by Eric Abel, and the theme song is written and recorded by Justine Lightling. We're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're putting shorts up on all the platforms, so wherever you see this, please... Uh, engage with it. And please, if you can, if you're willing, and if you liked it enough, share it with a friend. That's the only way we're going to be able to grow this thing and get the word out and really get this conversation to be what it needs to be, the conversation that everyone is having about what it's like to be a creator of color. So thank you again for listening. And I'm really excited for upcoming episodes. See you in a couple weeks.